in prayer. Father, again, we thank you for this time of year in which we can, in a very special way, remember your grace in our behalf in sending your Son. May we indeed adore him, recognizing his sacrifice in our behalf, recognizing the salvation that we have because of that sacrifice, recognizing, Father, that we are saved by grace through faith alone, not by our own merit, not by our own works, but only because you, in your grace, have stooped down and you have saved us. We thank you so much for that reality tonight and thank you for the hope that we have in Christ. As he has come once, he is coming again to receive us unto himself. And we look forward to that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. We thank you, Father, for the opportunities that this season gives us to proclaim your truth, to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ, to proclaim that you did indeed send your Son to be the Savior of the world, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. I pray that we would buy up those opportunities, that we would see them as you place them before us, and that we would take advantage of every opportunity that you do give to us. Father, we pray this evening for our teens as they are going up to the personal care home. May they be a blessing to the residents there. We pray, Father, that the residents would appreciate our teens coming and singing to them and just interacting with them. And I pray that our teens would receive a blessing from it, help them to recognize that indeed it's important that we, we help others and encourage others in every opportunity we have. Pray for the kids for truth tonight, encourage the teachers and the helpers. I pray, Father, that the kids would glean the truths from your word as they are presented to them tonight. I pray for the salvation of those who don't know Christ. Father, we pray for our church, and we just ask for your blessing upon us. I pray, Father, that we would end the year well. And as we begin a new year, that we would plan accordingly and appropriately, that we would seek your will in the planning of the new year. I pray, Father, for our annual business meeting that is coming in another month. I'd ask, Father, that you give us wisdom as we prepare for it and wisdom as we meet together and make the decisions that uh, you would have us to make. May again we humble ourselves before the head of the church, which is Jesus Christ. May we seek his will and his will alone, not simply our preferences, not simply our comforts, but that which you would have us to do, that which you would have us to, to accomplish in this coming year, if indeed our Lord tarries. I pray, Father, that we would continue to be united in our goal to simply glorify you in our passion to love you. And again, we thank you, Father, for this time together tonight in which we can come to study your word, to bring our requests before you in prayer, to fellowship with one another. I pray, Father, that indeed we'd be pleasing to you in that which is said and done, and that you would be glorified. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We will continue in prayer this evening. pray. Father, we just want to thank you for this privilege 
that we have that we can come to you in prayer. And Father, we know that you want us to come to you in prayer. You want us to ask uh, for those things that uh, weigh heavy on our hearts, for those things that we need. And uh, you promise that if we ask that you will give them to us. And uh, you said in your word, you know, if we don't ask, we won't receive. So, Father, we just want to thank you for this night that we are here. We want to thank you for these folks that have come out tonight. We want to thank you for the fellowship that we can have with each other. We want to thank you for uh, the word and uh, for Don and the Bible study that he's going to bring this evening on Ezekiel. Father, I just ask that you'd help us to be like uh, the man mentioned in Psalms, that, you know, blessed is the man whose delight is in the word, in the law of the Lord. And uh, Father, I just pray that that would be us, that we would delight in your word, that uh, we won't look at your word as, you know, a law that we're under and it's heavy, but it's, it's something that we meditate on daily and uh, we rejoice in it because we realize that the statutes that you have put in there as we uh, think about them, that they're there for our protection. They're there for our spiritual health. They're there so that we can grow uh, closer to you, that we can grow in unity with our, our fellow Christians here, you know, not only here in our church, but in our community. And Father, we just uh, pray that you will help us to have that attitude of thanksgiving for the blessings that you pour out on us every day. And uh, Father, as we enter into this Christmas season, I just pray that you will cause us to be more aware of those around us. And, uh, you know, if a conversation get started about Christmas or you know who Jesus is or why he came to earth that we would be be bold and be ready uh, to step up and uh, to take that conversation to Christ and to salvation and to our need for a savior and father I just pray that you will help us as a nation to look to you this Christmas season to, uh, I just pray that, uh, or ask that the, the Christians in our nation will realize that our only hope is in you, that we need to, uh, you know, pray for revival. We need to pray that our hearts will be changed to, uh, you know, not, not fret about this world and, and what all is going on, but to focus on you to realize that you are sovereign. That uh, no matter what man thinks they can plan or do, that uh, it's already set. It's already completed. It's already finished in your mind. And uh, Father, I just ask that you will help us to have that faith that we need to trust you. Father, uh, be with us this evening as we prepare our hearts to receive your word when Don uh, brings the Bible study. Help us to realize that, you know, this this word of God that uh, we read and, and learn from 
is not just a book about you, but it's a book from you. And uh, help us to, to just realize that and focus on that. And Father, I just pray now that you will be with these folks that are here this evening. Uh, give them safe travels as they go home. And uh, all this we ask in Jesus' name. Our gracious Heavenly Father, <clears throat> we thank you for the opportunity that we have here this evening uh, to come before you, to have this time of corporate prayer, to have this time of Bible study, dear Heavenly Father. We just thank you for this church, thank you for the stand that we take as a church and for the testimony that we have and for the various outreaches we have in the community. And we just thank you that you have blessed us as a church over the years, dear Heavenly Father. You supplied the finances, the spiritual leadership, the godly leadership, dear Heavenly Father. And for those that give their time freely to serve you here in this church, dear Heavenly Father, for the Sunday school teachers, for the elected officers, we just thank you for them. Guide us this evening. Be with Don as he opens the word to us. Help us to glean from your word. Help us to focus on what you're conveying through him to us, dear Heavenly Father. We just thank you that you have given us your word that we can learn more about you and to study and to also to be the servants that you'd have us to be, dear Heavenly Father. Be with us this Christmas season, those people we come in contact with. Help us to speak boldly for you. Be that light shining forth for you this Christmas season. Help us to remember that you did send your son to be born of a virgin, that the deity would be upheld and that you would sacrifice his blood for us that we might have remission of sins, dear Heavenly Father. We just, we know your timing is perfect. We, we know that you timed everything out the way you would have it to be as far as for your son's birth taking Mary and Joseph to Bethlehem. We just thank you that your timing is everything, dear Heavenly Father. Help us to look to you for your guidance in everything we say and do. Be with the kids for truth as they're meeting this evening. and Also be with the teens as they're going to caroling this evening. Help them to be a testimony for you. Be with the leaders. Guide them. Give them the words to say, dear Heavenly Father, to those that may question what's going on and with the teens, especially with those that may be unchurched. And We just thank you for them and help us to reach them for you, dear Heavenly Father. 
Be with our country this Christmas season. Just help our nation's leaders to look to you. Help them to be able to work together for the good of our country, not to be split morally as we have been in the past. Help us to have that revival in our country, dear Heavenly Father. Be with our local officials also, guide them in their decisions and say, make the rules governing our local bodies and we just uphold them before you and we pray for them, dear Heavenly Father. Thank you that we can support the missionaries that we do, guide them this Christmas season also as they're preaching the word. Be with those that may be visiting our church also this Christmas season. Help us to reach out to them, make them feel comfortable. Help them to welcome them in our church and that they may make this church their home, dear Heavenly Father. We just thank you for the opportunity that we have, again, for this time of public prayer and Bible study, dear Heavenly Father. Guide us this Sunday as we have our children's program and be with the parents. Some of them may not know you as their personal savior. Help it to be the, the moment that they might realize that they may need, they need you in their lives, dear Heavenly Father. Or maybe some of our kids have strayed. Help them to see their need to come back to you. As they, you alone can make them do, dear Heavenly Father. We just thank you for this opportunity and ask you to be with us. Keep us safe. Keep us healthy. In your name we pray. Amen. in Ezekiel chapter 13, started into chapter 13 last week, just a quick summary of those first few verses that we did look at last week, it's a prophecy concerning the prophets of Israel who were really false prophets, they were not speaking the truth of God but they were misleading and causing Israel to go astray. And it says in verse 1 of chapter 13, And the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, prophesy against the prophets of Israel that prophesy, and say unto them that prophesy out of their own hearts. Hear the word of the Lord. They're prophesying out of their own hearts. They weren't prophesying uh, that which God was speaking. They were prophesying what they wished in their own heart what they wanted it to be, not what God wanted it to be or what God had already told what it was going to be. So it was out of their own hearts. And thus says the Lord God, woe unto the foolish prophets that follow their own spirit and have seen nothing. They follow their own spirit, not the spirit of God, but their own spirit. They say they've seen a vision, but in reality they've seen nothing. O Israel, your prophets are like the foxes in the deserts. Said last week, the, uh, 
The foxes would come in and destroy the vineyard. Well, these prophets were destroying Israel with their false prophecy. And so he says they're like the foxes of the desert. You have not gone up into the gaps, neither made up the hedge or the wall for the house of Israel to stand in the battle in the day of the Lord. The prophets of Israel were to build a spiritual wall around Israel to, to protect them. And uh, these false prophets were not building that spiritual wall. And, and when there was a gap in the wall, they were not filling that gap. They were not defending that gap. They were not repairing that gap. But rather, in their prophecy, they were actually causing that gap to grow because sin is what caused the gap in the spiritual wall around Israel. And as they sinned, these false prophets were not defending against that, that breach in the wall. They were not repairing that wall. They were not rebuilding the wall. But with their false prophecy, they're actually causing damage. They have seen vanity and lying divination, saying, The Lord says, and the Lord has not sent them. And they have made others to hope that they would confirm the word. They were giving false hope. You know, there's a lot of false teachers today who are giving false hope. You know, they talk about... Uh, False teachers many times, you know, a lot of times false teachers, it's not so much what they say, it's what they don't say. Now, they can say some good stuff. They can talk about the love of God. They can talk about the grace of God. They can talk about the forgiveness of God. But they don't talk about sin. They don't talk about God's hatred for sin. They don't talk about God's judgment against sin. Um, that's the stuff they leave out. And so... They talk about God's love and God's forgiveness and God's grace and, and they give people hope. But they don't talk about sin and so people don't deal with their sin. They don't repent of their sin. They don't confess their sin. They don't acknowledge that God's going to bring judgment upon sin. And so they give false hope. And so we have a lot of false teachers today just like the false prophets of Israel who are giving them false hope. Have you not seen a vain vision, and have you not spoken a lying divination, whereas you say the Lord says it, albeit I have not spoken, therefore thus says the Lord God, because you have spoken vanity and seen lies, therefore behold, I am against you, says the Lord God. He's against them. Again, the idea of the God of the universe being against me, uh, there is no more fearful thing. But he was against these, these false prophets. Therefore, verse 9 my hand shall be upon the prophets that see vanity and that divine lies. They shall not be in the assembly of my people, neither shall they be written in the writing of the house of Israel, neither shall they enter into the land of Israel, and you shall know that I am the Lord God. Again, that phrase, you shall know that I am the Lord God. And we quickly uh, looked at this verse last week, said there are three, three judgments that God was going to bring upon these false prophets. He said, uh, um, they should not be in the assembly of my people. Or the word assembly there is really more the word council. They'll not be in the council of my people. In other words, they were going to lose their, their, their respect. They were going to lose their authority as a prophet. And uh, the people would recognize their, their false prophecy. And so God's judgment upon them, they would lose their, their, their uh, position, their respect, their authority. Neither shall they be written in the writing of the house of Israel. They were going to lose their citizenship. They would not be considered part of Israel any longer. And then, neither shall they enter into the land of Israel. When Israel would be allowed to go back to the land 
after the captivity, these false prophets would not be allowed to go back. And so that was God's judgment upon these false prophets. Verse 10, because even because they have seduced my people, saying, Peace, and there is no peace. And one built up a wall, and lo, others dubbed it with untempered mortar. Um, your translation may say something, rather than untempered mortar, may say whitewash. Um, somebody builds a wall, and then they, they just whitewash it. Uh, the thought here, again, going back to verse 5, where the prophet is to build this spiritual wall around Israel. And then if there was a, a gap in the wall because of sin, the prophet was to come and, and, and defend that gap and rebuild the gap, repair it. These false prophets, they maybe were putting on a good outward show of repairing the gap and building the wall, but it was just a pile of stones. Whitewashed. Looked good. Looked like it was a solid wall. Looked like it was mortared well, but it was just a pile of stones that would not stand against the judgment of God. So they, they were false prophets that, that claimed to be building a wall around Israel, but it was just a pile of stones that would come crashing down when the judgment came. And so he talks about this uh, peace, and there is no peace, and one built up a wall, and lo, others dubbed it with untempered mortar. Say unto them who dub it with untempered mortar that it shall fall. There shall be an overflowing shower, and you, O great hailstone, shall fall, and a stormy wind will break it. There will be rain, there will be wind, there will be hail. And it will break down the wall that these false prophets had built because it was just a pile of stones and just whitewashed to look good, but it was false. It wasn't really any protection at all. And so God's judgment of the, uh, the uh, as he says here, the, the uh, rain, the hailstones, and the wind, that's God's judgment. And the Babylonians were going to be the wind and the rain and the hailstorms. Uh, that, that was going to be the judgment of God. God was going to use the Babylonians to bring judgment upon them. Verse 11, Lo, when the wall is fallen, shall it not be said unto you, Where is the dubbing with which you have dubbed it? Therefore, thus says the Lord God, I will even break it with a stormy wind in my fury, and there shall be an overflowing shower in my anger, and great hailstones in my fury to consume it. So again, the, the rain, the hailstones, the wind, but it really was God using the Babylonians to bring his judgment, and this false wall of the false prophets would come crashing down. There would be no peace, as they would cry peace, but there would be no peace. Verse 14, so will I break down the wall that you have dubbed with untempered mortar and bring it down to the ground so that its foundation shall be uncovered and it shall fall and you shall be consumed in the midst of it and you shall know that I am the Lord. He brings this judgment so that the people would know that he indeed was Jehovah. He's Yahweh. He's the sovereign one. He's in control. Thus will I accomplish my wrath upon the wall and upon them that have dubbed it with untempered mortar and will say unto you, the wall is no more, neither they that dubbed it. So he's going to bring this judgment and these false prophets would be destroyed. The prophets of Israel who prophesy concerning Jerusalem and who see visions of peace for her and there is no peace, says the Lord God. So he just uh, is being very clear that these false prophets 
their false prophecy would be made known and that they might know that he is indeed Jehovah. He is Yahweh. He's the God of Israel. Do you have any questions or, or comments about that? Just a quick, uh, some of that's a summary. Some of it was new tonight, but uh, that just uh, his prophecy on the false prophets. Come to verse 17, and it's the prophetesses, but really more sorceresses, um, spiritual mediums is really what they were. Verse 17, likewise, son of man, set your face against the daughters of your people who prophesy out of their own heart and prophesy thou against them. So it's, uh, again, false prophetesses. But really, as you read down through this, they were sorcerers. And they were, they were um, spiritual mediums, if you will, practicing sorcery and practicing uh, ritualistic mediums. And, and uh, the occult really is what uh, was involved here as we read down through this. Say, thus says the Lord God, woe to the women that sow amulets upon all wrist and make kerchiefs for the head of every person of statue to hunt souls. I'll just stop there. The amulets on the wrist. It's, the Babylonians in their, in their sorcery would have incantations that would, would involve various uh, um, ropes and knots and bonds around the wrist. And so what we have is these, these Jewish women emulating the Babylonian sorcery and uh, using these same incantations that the Babylonians were using and, and using these, these ropes and knots and bonds that would symbolize these, these incantations and the, the sorcery that they were practicing. And even the, the kerchiefs for the head of every person, uh, again, they, they would have these these claws that would cover the head and it was all part of their their magical rituals and their sorcery they were just imitating the Babylonians they would uh, do so uh, the statue um, every person of statue to hunt souls or probably more the idea of every person of age uh, various ages statue instead instead of height it's really talking about uh, their, their ages, and so they were going after children, they were going after middle age, they were going after the old age to hunt souls. Will you hunt the souls of my people, and will you save the souls alive that come unto you? Um, God says you're, you're going after my people, and you're going to destroy them while you save those who want your magical arts. And will you pollute me among my people for handfuls of barley and for pieces of bread to slay the souls that should not die and to save the souls alive that should not live by your lying to my people that hear your lies. For handfuls of barley and for pieces of bread. In other words, they, they would sell their sorcery. They would sell their, their magical arts. Uh, and in doing so, it says that they were 
They were slaying the souls that should not die. In other words, uh, in their incantations, they were killing the righteous and they're allowing the wicked to live. This is Israel, God's people, imitating the Babylonians. Wherefore, thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am against your amulets, with which you there hunt the souls to make them fly, and I will tear them from your arms, and will let the souls go, even the souls that you hunt, to make them fly. They're hunting the souls of men to make them fly. The idea there to make them fly, it's, it's the idea of to make them fly into a trap, to ensnare them. And some of your translations uh, may even use the word ensnare. But it was the idea that they were, they were ensnaring people with these magical arts and with this sorcery. They were ensnaring the people of God. And uh, so God says, I'm, I'm going to deliver them. The ones that you're hunting, the ones that you're ensnaring, I will deliver. And your kerchiefs also will I tear and deliver my people out of your hand, and they shall be no more in your hand to be hunted. And you shall know that I am the Lord. He says, you sorcerers, you're going to know that I'm the Lord. You're going to know that I'm Yahweh. You're going to know that I'm Jehovah, that I am the God of gods. I'm the Lord of lords. Because with lies you have made the heart of the righteous sad, whom I have not made sad. And strengthen the hands of the wicked, that he should not return from his wicked way by promising him life. In their sorcery, in their, their magical arts, they were making the righteous sad. And they were delivering the wicked. And as it says here, it says uh, they were strengthening the hands of the wicked. You know, I've thought about that some as it relates to even false teachers today. When we hear false teaching, it makes those of us who really want to be true to God's word and, and want to stand for truth, it makes us sad to hear the false teachers that uh, they, they claim to be proclaiming truth from God's word, but it's false. And those of us who want to hold to God's word and stand for God's truth, it, it saddens us. And just like in Israel, there were those who who did want to live for the Lord. They did want to seek His truth. They, they did want to glorify Him. And, and when they saw what was going on in Israel, it saddened their heart. But as it saddened their heart, these false prophets were strengthening the wicked. And we see the same today as it relates to false teachers. When these false teachers teach their, their, their false doctrine, it saddens those who want to stay true to God's Word, but it strengthens it strengthens the world. Um, when we take a stand against some of the, the things going on in our, in our nation today, take a stand against abortion, we take a stand against homosexuality, we take a stand against uh, transgenderism, uh, we take a stand against that because we believe God's word. But when there are those who claim to be Christian, those who claim to be preachers of God and preachers of the gospel, when they don't take a stand against those things. It emboldens the world. And they attack us. Say, well, you know, these Christians, they're fine with it. There's no problem. Apparently, you're just bigots. Apparently, you're, you're just judgmental. And so it emboldens the wicked, strengthens their hand, 
with these false teachings and it saddens the true believer, the one who truly wants to live by God's word. And that's what was happening in Israel. These false prophets and these prophetesses or these sorceresses, they were strengthening the wicked and saddening the righteous. Therefore you shall see no more vanity nor divine divinations, for I will deliver my people out of your hand, and you shall know that I am the Lord. Do you have any questions about that at all? That just again, these, these, this sorcery, these magical arts, these incantations, that's, that's what it's talking about here. Being practiced by Israel themselves. Going into chapter 14, and as he's talked about the, the prophets and the prophetesses, if you will, now he talks about the elders of Israel. Then came certain of the elders of Israel unto me, and sat before me. And the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, these men have set up their idols in their heart, put the stumbling block of their iniquity before their face. Should I be inquired of at all by them? Therefore speak unto them, and say unto them, Thus says the Lord God, Every man of the house of Israel that sets up his idols in his heart and puts the stumbling block of the, his iniquity before his face and comes to the prophet, I, the Lord, will answer him that comes according to the multitude of his idols, that I may take the house of Israel in their own heart, because they are all estranged from me through their idols. These elders, and now we're, we're talking about these elders that were with Ezekiel already in the captivity. They were coming to Ezekiel, and we've seen this uh, previously here in the, in the book of Ezekiel, where these elders would come and, and they would seek the word of the Lord from Ezekiel. But God had had enough. He had enough of these elders because they had set up idols in their own heart, and they'd set up, as it says here, the, the stumbling block of their iniquity before their face. Um, you don't need to turn to it, but let me read from Proverbs chapter 3, verse 21. My son, let not them depart. That is, uh, uh, it's really the word of God that's being spoken of here. My son, let not the word of God depart from your eyes. Keep sound wisdom and distress, and so shall they be life unto your soul and grace to your neck. Then shall you walk in the way safely and your foot shall not stumble. Proverbs 3 says, set, set my words before your face so that you don't stumble. But they were setting the idols before their face and stumbling. And so he calls it here the, the, uh, the stumbling block of their iniquity. It's idolatry. They were setting these idols up in their heart and as they set it up in their heart, then they were putting this idol before their face. And they were worshiping the idol. And God caused it the, the stumbling block of their iniquity. If they had set God's word before their face, they wouldn't have stumbled. But setting that idol, they've stumbled, and it's the stumbling block of their iniquity. Notice it talks about the, the idols of their heart, and then this stumbling block of their iniquity before their face. Idolatry starts in the heart. That's where it starts. And then it begins to manifest itself outwardly. And so they set up the idols in their heart, and then in time, they actually were setting up this idol before their face. And they were actually worshiping the idol outwardly, not just in their heart. 
Uh, notice it says uh, um, that they set up their idols in their heart. And the word set up there, it, it's actually a, a, it's a, I, the idea of to, to lift up. And so in other words, these idols already had the supremacy in their heart. They'd already been lifted up. They had the supremacy in their heart. And once it had supremacy in their heart, then it manifested itself outwardly. They were coming as if they were going to seek the word from God. But God saw their hypocrisy as they had already been worshiping their idols. They could not come then and inquire of Ezekiel a word from Jehovah. He wasn't going to give them a word. In fact, he says in verse 4, I, the Lord, will answer him that comes according to the multitude of their idols. So I'll give him a word, but it's going to be the word of judgment. Verse 6, we have this solution. Therefore, say unto the house of Israel, thus says the Lord God, repent and turn yourselves from your idols. And turn away your faces from all your abominations. He says the, the, the answer to this judgment that I am going to bring would be repentance. To turn yourself from your idols. To turn yourself from the, the idols you've set up in the, your heart. To turn yourself from this, this uh, stumbling block that you've set before your face. Turn away from your faces from all your abominations. For every one of the house of Israel... Or of the foreigner that sojourns in Israel, who separates himself from me, and sets up his idols in his heart, and puts the stumbling block of his iniquity before his face, and comes to a prophet to inquire of him concerning me, I, the Lord, will answer him by myself. He says, uh, those who separate himself from me. Um, the word separate there, it's, it's kind of the word what we would say to dedicate or even the word sanctify. You know, we, we sometimes talk about sanctification, and, and to be sanctified or to be dedicated is to be set apart unto God. That's how we use the word sanctification, to be set apart from sin unto God. Well, that's the word here, that they've separated themselves from me. It's kind of the idea that they've dedicated themselves not to God, but from God. They had sanctified themselves, not to God, but from God. And so it's more than just a, a minor separation. They've actually dedicated themselves from God unto these idols. And notice he says, you, you come to inquire of the prophet concerning me. But then he says, but I will answer by myself. In other words, God says, uh, as you come to the prophet, you come to get a word from him concerning me. You're not going to get a word from him concerning me. You're going to get a word from me concerning me. And that word is judgment. In other words, God's not going to use the prophet in a sense. He's just going to himself bring that judgment. Verse 8, I'll set my face against that man, and I will make him a sign and a proverb, and I'll cut him off from the midst of my people, and you shall know that I am the Lord. The purpose of this judgment over and over and over and over again is that you may know that I am the Lord. 
You see, God is bringing this judgment. But ultimately, it is because he loves his people. It's because he wants his people to know who he is. And the people have so far strayed from him, they so far have dedicated themselves from God, that the only solution, the only thing that would bring a response would be judgment. For centuries, he's been pleading with them to repent. And now he says, the only thing left is judgment. And if the prophet be deceived when he has spoken a thing, I, the Lord, have deceived that prophet, and I'll stretch out my hand upon him, and I'll destroy him from the midst of my people Israel. And they shall bear the punishment of their iniquity. The punishment of the prophet shall be even like the punishment of him that seeks unto him. These false prophets had been deceived. And they were deceiving the people. And God had allowed this deception because God had shown Israel Go all the way back to Deuteronomy in the time of Moses. God had shown Israel how to distinguish between a false prophet and a true prophet of God. But instead of going back to Deuteronomy and determining how to distinguish between a false prophet and a true prophet, they've just wanted to receive the word from the false prophet. That's what they wanted to hear. So they didn't care about distinguishing between the false prophet and the true prophet. They just went to whoever would tell them what they wanted to hear. And doesn't Paul talk about that in 2 Timothy? He talks about people going to teachers who will tickle their ears. We have itching ears and we want to go to a teacher that's going to scratch it. And so these false prophets in Israel is just like people today and false teachers. These false prophets were, were deceived because they didn't want to hear what the true prophets were saying. And the people were deceived because they didn't want to hear what the true prophets were saying. They just wanted to go and have their ears scratched. And there's so many like that today. We need to make sure that we don't simply want to have our ears scratched. We want to know the truth. We want to hear the truth. Verse 11, that the house of Israel may go no more astray from me, neither be polluted any more with all their transgressions, but that they may be my people, and I will be their God, says the Lord God. Again, this judgment that he was bringing was truly out of his love for his people. They had gone so far from him that the only solution was judgment. The only way to get their attention was judgment. Nothing else up to this point had worked. But it was still out of God's love for his people. And so he was bringing judgment. God allowed this, this willful deception. But the only cure for their sin, the only cure for their idolatry, would be judgment. you have any questions? I believe that's where we are today as a nation I'm not sure there's any cure but judgment we need to be in prayer
we need to make sure that we are taking a stand for God, that we are the ones who, who are the true prophets, if you will, or the ones who are proclaiming truth in the midst of a sinful culture and sinful world. Let's bow in prayer. Father, we are so grateful tonight for our time together, again, for the truth of your word. I pray, Father, that in the midst of such idolatry that we see around us, in the midst of false teaching that often is proclaimed from churches, that we would stand true to your word, that we would honor you and glorify you, and that we'd be light and salt in our realm of influence, and that others would see Christ in us. Thank you for your love for us. Thank you that you do indeed preserve a remnant for yourself. May we truly live for you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.